That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Hey, friends. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. And we want to make sure that you know about all the other exciting ways to get more exclusive content from The Bill Press Show. We're on Patreon. Did you know that? On Patreon. So to go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash BP show to get videos that nobody else gets. All we ask is five bucks a month and you get access to daily commentary and every week we put up a special interview just for our Patreon subscribers. Hey, it's a great way to support progressive media and get your hands on some fun, new, exclusive content. Thanks so much for supporting the show by going to patreon.com slash bpshow. Everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show. Live at YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. And another top Trump cabinet member bites the dust. Kirsten Nielsen pushed out by Donald Trump. What do you say everybody joins a long list of people whose careers have been shattered by getting close to Trump? What do you say, folks? Great to see you. Here we go on a big Monday, Monday, April 8, 2019. It is the Bill Press Show coming to you live from Washington, D.C. Coming out of the weekend, hope it was a good one for you, a great one for you. Boy, spring burst open here in Washington, D.C. for sure. Cherry blossoms at their absolute peak, uh, which just proves, uh, reminds us once again for this little maybe 10-day period you don't drive in Washington, D.C. Because, it, because it's impossible to get around. Never saw so many people down around the Tidal Basin and the Washington Monument uh, and the United States Capitol, too, as I did over this weekend. And it was a beautiful day. Temperatures up in the 70s. So hope you're having a good one wherever you are. And we welcome you to the program with lots to talk about. Yes, indeed. Kirsten Nielsen, HDHS Secretary. For the last, um, I don't know, 18 months or so, she is out of a job. Went down to the White House last night for a meeting with the president. The meeting was not on his schedule. She walked in, the DHS secretary, she walked out a private citizen. Donald Trump says, you're not tough enough. I need somebody tougher in there. Somebody who's going to, I don't know, what do you want them to do? Take an ax to people crossing the border? I don't know, he won't be happy without, without that. At any rate, here we go on a great big Monday, April 8. Looking forward to hearing from you. Your comments on all the news of the day, and there is lots of it. Send us your comments on Twitter, at BP Show. We'll catch up with you in just a little bit, but first. This is the Full Court Press. Just a couple of other stories making news. So this is very interesting. This has started taking hold around the country. Uh-huh. States raising the legal smoking age. 
to mm-hmm. 21 instead of 18. Now, there have been seven states that have already done this. California, Hawaii, Maine, Massachusetts, New Jersey, Oregon, and Virginia. Well, over the weekend, there was a new state that joined them. Illinois. Wow. Illinois. Governor J.D. Pritzker talking about it. Yes, uh, not yesterday, but over the weekend. If there are young people who will travel over state lines to buy tobacco products because they can legally buy them there, then I urge the surrounding states to pass Tobacco 21, too. So he's, they, they call the initiative Tobacco 21, 21 years old to buy tobacco, obviously. Uh, and he was pushing the states around Illinois yeah, to make right. the same change. You ought to make it 99. Yeah, right. Seriously. Seriously. Somebody proposed that not so long ago. I think we talked about 98 or 99, something like that. You live that long? Then you can smoke. You can have a cigarette. Yeah, sure. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, but again, uh, this is taking hold. I, I saw the guy, the outgoing head of the FDA, I think it is, was talking about how he made a big mistake by go, uh, encouraging vaping. Oh, know? interesting. Because so many teenagers now, they get into it, yeah. and then they move from there to cigarettes. Yeah, totally. No, I, I see that. Speaking of the health of the country, uh, this is a little disturbing because the Trump administration says that they are planning to shift much of the inspection power for pork producers away from federal inspectors and into the hands of employees that run pork oh, producing oh, great. plants. Oh, great. Yeah. yeah we can I trust that. don't see how anything could possibly go wrong there. Uh, they are. They have proposed this new inspection system. It says uh, that plant employees would be trained to work to understand some of the violations that may or may not be happening. And in the process, they would cut 40% of the federal inspectors that we currently have, making sure that the pork that we eat in this country is safe. Uh, they'll send those inspectors down to the border. Sure, yeah. yeah I mean, you know, might as right. well. Right. It's pretty terrifying that they're doing this. I mean, they're putting the power directly back in the hands of the people who would be committing these violations. Absolutely. Fox in the hen house, babe. That's it. This is the Bill Press Show. Yes, indeed. One more cabinet secretary out of a job today. Kirsten Nielsen, the latest one to bite the dust. Hey, hello, everybody. Happy Monday. On a big Monday, April 8, 2019, it is the Bill Press Show, and you're very much a part of it. We appreciate that. Thank you so much for joining us here as we come to you live, as always, from our studio on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C. Hello, hello, hello. Great to see you. Hope your weekend was a good one. Uh, It was a glorious weekend here in Washington, D.C. The temperature up in the 70s. The cherry blossoms are absolutely at their peak. Magnificent show. Uh, attracting uh, hundreds of thousands of people here to the Washington Wall. You could hardly uh, get around yesterday down by the Tidal Basin. Uh, I made the mistake of going through there Saturday on my way to, uh, well, I should say the driver. I was in the car I was in, made the mistake of oh, going well, through there. We all have that problem. MSNBC oh, sent, you know, the, fair enough. the limo, right? Uh, on my way to the MSNBC. Limo. And uh, there we go, down by the Tidal Basin. Why did you come this way? Oh, man. But the crowds were great. People were happy. And, the, uh, again, the flowers are absolutely spectacular. Come see them. You have another maybe week or so before they go away. 
Uh, at any rate, wherever you are, I hope you had a great weekend and ready to dive into the news of the day and this big this big week where um, we're taking a look at uh, Donald Trump making another change in his cabinet, taking a look at the 2020 candidates. Boy, they were out there in force, of course, over the weekend. Uh, and taking a look at the big battle now over Donald Trump's tax returns. We do so, of course, on every platform that we can uh, come up with, including online on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show, the source of our podcast as well. Anywhere you can find your podcast will be there, but easiest way may be to go to uh, at the, the, online at uh, YouTube slash The Bill Press, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Also, we're joining on the radio statewide in Indiana, Indiana Talks. Oh, in Chicago, how about it? Chicago, looking good today on WCPT, all around Chicago, and on television, Free Speech TV, coast to coast. Uh, let's start today. i got to start today. Let's get away from politics. i got to start today with my favorite story of the whole weekend. I got this on my uh, phone, uh, headline hitting on my phone yesterday morning about noon. I laughed out loud. I was so excited to read that news. Peter, I don't know whether you saw this, but this is a poacher, a rhino oh, poacher. Oh, yeah, I saw this. Yeah, yeah, yep, yeah. Yep, yeah, a yeah, guy yeah. was poaching rhinos. Oh, breaks my heart. Yeah. And he got into the Kruger National Park in South Africa in the middle of the night. He went in walking by himself to get himself a rhino and an elephant. He walked right into the path of an elephant. The elephant killed him, and the lions ate him. And I said, yes! <laughs> yes! I do love stories like I that. I love that story. All they found was a skull and a pair of pants. Well, gosh, Woo. I just, it breaks my heart. Breaks it my heart. It breaks my heart. God, if anybody deserved it, served him right. This doesn't happen That should happen enough. to every poacher. Yeah. Every single poacher. And big game hunters for that. I for would the put them on the list yeah, as well. I like, think they're know. poachers. They're just poachers. Yeah, they're no, that's a good point. They 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 are poachers. They're legal poachers, right? Yeah. They're legal and illegal poachers. This yeah. was an illegal poacher, and uh, God love them. God love those lions and elephant for doing the right thing. Every now and then, you know, we find a little balance in these, uh, yeah. these things. I yeah. love it. <laughs> hope that would get around. I would hope that would stop the poaching. Unfortunately, it probably, it probably won't, but uh, it was it, – it, it it gave me a great moment of joy over the weekend. Uh, I guess while we're on the wildlife, uh, might as well segue to the wild, next little wildlife. Did you see? Did you see the picture of that <clears throat> Burmese python they found in the uh, Everglades? Dude, nineteen, no, seventeen feet long. It's insane. I know, <laughs> man. I'm telling you. Whew. Forget about the alligators down there, right? Or the crocodiles, whichever they well, are. Well, I mean, no. you should worry about those too, but <laughs> but now you've got something else to worry you about. You've got something else to worry about. Yeah. The pythons that people have released and they've taken over. We know the python and the, the Everglades. And they go down there. I think there are rewards for getting, finding a python, right? No, there, there are. You, yeah. You, yeah. It's important to mention that they are not a native species. No, no. These are ones that people have released or pets or yeah. something. And they've, it's a perfect environment for them. Absolutely. Yeah. And they've sort of taken over. Uh, and this was in the uh, Big Cypress Swamp. Uh, so yeah, she was 17 feet long, weighed 140 pounds, which is not that, you know, 
That's a lot. That's a big I mean, snake, man. A big no, snake. I, I hear you. you're right. Yeah. But that, I mean, if I see a 17 foot long, 140 oh, no, pound no, man. snake, feet, I'm going the other way. Feet do your duty. <laughs> <It's> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, had 73 fertilized eggs inside of her. Mm. So there could have been a lot more by Think about that. I mean, yeah. how quickly Woo. they could spread down there. And they're so yeah. dominant. I mean, they're. You have 73 babies. Yeah. All at one time. Sure. In that, in that environment, perfect climate, take off. And right. they're eating like they're eating alligators down yes. there. Yes, some yeah. of these pythons. Right. So, anyhow, uh, that is your. Uh, I know you thought you were watching uh, suddenly the National Geographic Channel here, but or, or listening to. But that's 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 all the wildlife for the day hey, until look. we get to Donald Trump. Well, there's not a lot of difference between snakes in Florida. <laughs> that's right. And the Republican Party here in Washington D.C. <laughs> At least the Trump White House, right? Yeah. Yep, I'm telling you, she walked into a meeting with the president last night at the White House. Uh, she walked in as a cabinet secretary, and she left as a private citizen. Of course, we're talking about uh, Department of Homeland Security Secretary Kirsten Nielsen. She's been there on the job 16 months. Donald Trump not happy with her. He doesn't think she's tough enough. Never thought she, he's he's been bitching about her for a long time. Uh, saying that she wasn't doing enough and you know he might have to fire her, but it looked like she had made her peace with the president. She was down there with him Friday in another one of his phony photo ops at the border uh, and uh, came in to see him uh, Sunday night, and um, he just wants more tough actions down there, doesn't want uh, any balance at all in terms of humanitarian considerations when it comes to the border. He was angry at her because she uh, privately opposed his closing the border, closing even ports of entry, closing even commercial traffic coming in from Mexico, which, of course, he backed down last week. Uh, but he wouldn't forgive her for opposing that. Uh, and again, not tough enough. I mean, this is a woman who kept kids in cages, separating, yanking the kids from their mothers, from their families, keeping them in cages, and Kirsten Nielsen saying we had no choice. This was our job. We have to do our job. We will not apologize for doing for our job. We have sworn to do this job. Right. So everything Donald Trump wanted, she did in terms of cracking down, in terms of deporting people, in terms of locking people up, in terms of separating families. Kirsten Nielsen, every bit of it, not enough for Donald Trump and not enough for Stephen Miller, who is, of course, calling the shots here, his little Nazi uh, henchman on uh, on immigration policy. Uh, Stephen Miller used to work for Jeff Sessions. Uh, and it was Stephen Miller also who pulled the plug on last week. This is related. Donald Trump had nominated the acting director of the uh, of ICE, Ron Vitiello, to take over. And suddenly, Friday, Donald Trump says, nope, I'm pulling that nomination. I changed my mind. Because they found out that he had said something maybe mildly suggesting that they had to consider each of these cases individually or that there might be some that you could possibly put it this way, suggesting you could possibly go too far on, uh, on, on your harsh treatment of, uh, of refugees and immigrants. And so he had his nomination yanked, and she lost her job both over the weekend. 
you know that 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 clip that we just played of her saying, you know, this was our yeah. job, right? And this is in no way a defense of her. This is <laughs> what she was instructed to do. Yes. And oh yeah. Right. This happens sometimes in history, uh, and she did it uh, that we can point to. Uh, but she did it. She, she did, did it. No, I have but no. But this sim- comes directly from Donald Trump. Right. Absolutely. But I have no sympathy for her. Not at she all. Took, Not at she all. took that job, and she should have known better. There is, and and he. So there were a hundred thousand um, people across the board came were, were apprehended. Not really apprehended. 100,000 people, we have to realize this, turned themselves in at the border seeking asylum. These are not people who were apprehended crossing the border and then, and then running for it. No, they, were, they walked across, looked for uh, an, uh, a Border Patrol agent, and turned themselves in with their family. 100,000 last year, uh, most, or last month rather, the most in about a decade. Uh, he, Donald Trump, blamed her. Well, I guess you should blame her because, you know, last time she was seen, she was down uh, in uh, El Salvador telling people, go to the United States. Come on. It's a great country. Come on up. We want right. you. Yeah, get in the caravan. She was the leader of the caravan. If you believe Donald Trump, that's what she was doing down in Guatemala, Honduras. Yeah. Saying, come on, free tickets, free tickets to the United States. Blamed her for the whole thing. Uh, she is out of a job. But again, she is hardly alone. Uh, I made a little list last night <laughs> of some of the people whose careers have been wrecked in the last two years, right, by Donald Trump. You could probably add to this list, but let's go. Secretary of State Rex Tillerson. Remember all these people. Remember these names. Attorney General Jeff Sessions. Chiefs of Staff Reince Priebus and John Kelly. Press Secretary Sean Spicer. Cabinet Secretaries Scott Pruitt, Ryan Zinke, Tom Price, James Mattis, and David Shulkin, White House Counsel Don McDan, McMahon, Mc, McGann, rather, Communication Directors Hope Hicks, Anthony Scaramucci, The Mooch, and Bill Shine, FBI Director James Comey, Deputy FBI Director Andy McCabe, National Security Advisors Michael Flynn and H.R. McMaster, and then don't forget Omarosa. The acting AG, Sally Yates, KT McFarlane, who is also in communications at the White House, Steve Bannon, Nikki Haley. Think about it. I mean, that's, boy. that's insane. I mean, I know, we, I know we've seen this and we know it's a lot, but when you really put them all in one place like that. When you add them all up, I saw either CNN or, or uh, the Politico this morning uh, have you know, just a big, long chart of all these people. And these are people... I mean, by the way, there are hundreds more whose names we don't know. I mean, these are just the ones like whose names good we point. know. Good point. You know? And these are people who had a fairly good reputation. They've been around or whatever. I mean, some of them, not Steve Bannon. Uh, and they took a job with Donald Trump, and they're done. They're done. Their career busted, right? Their reputation, gone. Anybody today who would take, given this, and what we've seen for the last two years, Anybody today who would take a job with Donald Trump is an idiot. I don't care who you are. Let me tell you, Mick Mulvaney, he may be riding high today. He'll be out of there within six months. <laughs> I bet you, 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 with the exception of Jared Kushner and Ivanka Trump, nobody is safe. Hey. Mike Pence, man, if, if I were him, I'd be looking for another job. Because yeah, I sure. bet you, chances are dollars to donuts, 
he will not be the vice presidential nominee. Donald Trump would turn on him in a New York second, just like he's turned on everybody else, including Kirsten Nielsen. Hey, you know, to your point, you have to think right? about one of the yeah, – absolutely. No, absolutely. To that point, you, it, one of the things that's so illustrative of that is one of the – I should say one of the very first people to leave. But Sean Spicer did not last long in his job as press secretary, right? right? Yeah, six and, months at the most. And right. so your White House press secretary, you look at what other people have gone on to do, right? Jay Carney <laughs> – Works with Amazon now, one of the biggest companies in the world. Robert Gibbs went to go work with Uber. Like all Josh, these different. Josh Ernest, he's. Josh Ernest at MSNBC. Yeah, and I mean, you, yeah. It's, it's an immediate stepping stone right, to right. like a big, big job, right? And Sean Spicer got. Look at Dana Perino, even. Nothing. No, nothing. Nothing. Yeah, yeah, even Dana Perino, even the Republican press secretaries could go on to have Ari very Fleischer. successful careers yeah. uh, in other fields. Nobody wants Sean Spicer because Donald Trump poisoned him, and he, not to take away uh, from uh, Sean Spicer's responsibility here, he drank that Trump Kool-Aid and completely ruined his career over it. Right. Totally. And it's happened over and over and over and over again. What is Kirsten Nielsen going to do now? Yeah. She's forever going to be known as the woman who locked up kids in cages at the border. Yeah. Well, by the way, same with John Kelly. John Kelly was one, yeah. of, one of our most respected and admired generals and took a job as, as, as first uh, DHS secretary and then uh, uh, White House chief of staff. Nobody respects him anymore. He's a joke. Yeah. I mean, again, anybody who would take a job with him is an idiot. And by the way, it's very clear. It's reported this morning. She, yeah, she submitted her letter of resignation. She did not willingly resign. She was told... You're out. That's the word. Yeah. That Donald Trump made it very clear he didn't want her on the job. Right. Uh, meanwhile, uh, we have a uh, <laughs> a very good battle going on. Oh, yeah. You think the battle over uh, <clears throat> how much of the Mueller report we're going to get to see is intense. Uh, that may That's sort of paling in comparison to the battle over are we going to see Donald Trump's tax returns? As we reported last week, and uh, I've done a little more research on this over the weekend, um, Chairman Richard Neal from uh, Massachusetts, who is head of chair of the uh, House Ways and Means Committee, wrote a letter last week to the IRS commissioner saying that as uh, allowed and called for in the Constitution, we are requesting six years of the president's tax returns, and we want them by April 10, <laughs> which is Wednesday, uh, the White House immediately fired back, no way, no how, the, the president's saying, I can't do that because I'm under audit, I'm under audit, they're always auditing me, and you know, when you, everybody knows when you're under audit, you can't release your tax returns. And then uh, Mick Mulvaney was asked, uh, he was on Fox News Sunday, Bill Hemmer filling in for Chris Wallace, are we ever going to see the tax returns? You believe Democrats will never see the president's tax returns? Oh, no, never. No, nor should they. Keep in mind that that's an issue that was already litigated during the election. Voters knew the president could have given his tax returns. They knew that he didn't, and they elected him anyway, which, of course, is what drives the Democrats crazy. But they know they're not going to get this. They just want the attention on the issue. Uh, <laughs> uh, I love that excuse that they always use at the White House. Uh, hey, people knew this about Donald Trump in 2016. Uh, he got elected, so therefore um, you can't raise that issue ever again. Like sexual assault, 20 women, 20 women accusing him of sexual assault. The Access Hollywood tape came out. Uh, so 
because he was elected from now on, it is okay for anybody to grab women by their crotch, plant kisses on them without their asking, brag about it. That's okay because Donald Trump did it and he got elected. So it's okay to cheat the IRS, not release your returns, or not even pay your taxes because everybody knew that Donald Trump didn't before 2016. He got elected. Therefore, you too can now cheat on your taxes or refuse to release your tax returns. Uh, they're making it a big deal. I think it is a losing argument for them. The law is, again, I looked at looked into this over the weekend, writing a column about it today. It, the law is very clear. It's from 1924, way back in the famous teapot, after the teapot dome scandal, <laughs> uh, which uh, up to the time was the biggest financial scandal involving any president or members of his cabinet. Uh, and Congress wrote a law saying we've got to be sure that there are no financial improprieties in, in our top elected officials of the executive branch and his cabinet members. So therefore, we give Congress the authority to seek and to, to see their tax returns to make sure they're paying their taxes. Uh, they don't have any big loans to some questionable people. They don't have business deals that might influence their decision-making in the executive branch. And the law clearly says, this is since 1924, that if Congress makes that request, the IRS commissioner must, must release those returns to, the con to Congress, to three different committees in Congress. It doesn't say... You have to do that for everybody except the president. doesn't say that. It says everybody. No exceptions. It doesn't say you have to release them uh, unless they're under audit. doesn't say that at all. If Congress requests, the IRS commissioner must do so. Now, the IRS is part of the Treasury Department, so ultimately the decision as to whether or not to comply with this request from Congress, will be made by Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin. Talk about another ass-kisser and suck-up to Donald Trump. But if Steve Mnuchin refuses to, do, refuses to do so, he could be held in contempt of Congress. So what do we know about this request? Number one, we know it is totally legal. The law is clear. Uh, number two, we know that being under audit is no excuse for not releasing your tax returns. Richard Nixon was under audit and Congress requested his tax returns. Nixon gave them to Congress. Three, we know that this is not that unusual. Every president since Nixon has released his tax returns. And since every president, I think since it was Jimmy Carter, maybe in 1980, but since the 1980s, every presidential candidate of any major party either major party, Democrat or Republican, every single uh, nominee of Democratic or Republican nominee since the 80s has released his or her tax returns. Some of them, a couple of years. John McCain was a couple of years. Mitt Romney, a couple of years. Hillary Clinton, I think, was eight years. But every single nominee, until Donald Trump, uh, had released uh, their tax returns. So... Uh, this is something that's just like normally done. Uh, why, and the question is, two things about being about the audit. Think about this. 
One, if it is true. By the way, here's, let's stop here for just a second. Donald Trump claims he's under audit. We really don't know whether he's under audit or not. Dan Kildee, our good friend from Michigan, Congressman Dan Kildee, a member of the Ways and Means Committee, has raised this question. He said, damn it, we're going to find out. We are looking very carefully right now as to whether or not the IRS is properly auditing and enforcing tax law on the president of the United States. So we don't know for sure that it's under audit. We just have Donald Trump's words that he's been under audit for years and years and years. Okay, now back to what that means, what that tells us. <laughs> Number one, if he has, if he is under audit and he's been under audit for this long, it tells you there's a good reason why he's under audit. It tells you that they found a lot of problems. It tells you he's playing all kinds of games that the IRS doesn't like otherwise, and they have suspicions about a lot of wrongdoing. Otherwise, they wouldn't be auditing his tax returns, number one. And number two, what else does it tell us? That if Donald Trump doesn't want to release his tax returns, he knows there's stuff there that he doesn't want, that, that, that would do him damage that is not good, that he has been playing games, and who knows what it is, that he's not as wealthy as we think he is, that he has not given as much money to charity as he claims that he has, that he's got some outstanding loans maybe to Russian banks or to German banks, or who knows? There's got to be some pretty embarrassing stuff in there, otherwise he would release his tax returns. So this whole thing is going to come around, I think, and bite Donald Trump in the ass. It's only only a matter of time um, before, before that happens. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Donald Trump, found, he went from the border to Los, to Los Angeles for a little fundraiser and then back to Las Vegas where he uh, spoke yesterday at the Republican... Jewish coalition. Um, first thing he did was promise again that he is going to uh, close the border. I mean, yeah, he backed away from it last week, but he still won't let go of it. I'm okay with it. I don't want to do it, but I'm okay with it. I'll do it. I'll do whatever is necessary to stop an invasion of our country. That's what it is. There it is. Invasion of our country. And remember, these are uh, American Jews, Republicans, the Republican Jewish Coalition. Um, remember a couple of weeks ago that Elon, Congresswoman Ilan Omar got into a lot of hot water because she talked about that the fact that some uh, Republican Jews, particularly, might have a dual loyalty. Um, not a good phrase, misspoke, should not be accusing people who support Israel of being traitors to their own country. Uh, but remember that when you hear Donald Trump talking about Bibi Netanyahu, again, to this group of Americans. But I stood with your prime minister at the White House to recognize your Israeli prime minister sovereignty over the Golan Heights. <laughs> The Golan Heights is uh, something I've been hearing about for a long time. Uh, no, he is not your prime minister. He is not their prime minister. They are Americans, Mr. President, and uh, sadly, you are their president, 
and Bibi Netanyahu is the prime minister of Israel. This is so illustrative of what's wrong with the media and why they took this Elon Omar stuff and blew it into a huge thing. And the Democratic Party didn't do her any favors either, by the way, which resulted in, of course, over the weekend, someone being arrested for having Uh a murder plan to come out and kill Elon Omar. Elon Omar. The same day that Donald Trump is making jokes about her in Las Vegas, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so... What Donald Trump just said is much more problematic than anything Elon Omar said. And add to that, and we played this clip before a couple of times, back when he was a candidate speaking to a group of Republican Jews and and joking with them about, I know you're not going to give me your money because, you know, you put your money on who you think the winner is going to be. And for you, it's politics is all about throwing your money around. Right. Uh, And. Wasn't it Elon Omar who also said it's about the Benjamins, right? Yeah. And again, got in trouble. Donald Trump says it. Nobody, nobody, nobody says beans. At any rate, uh, meanwhile, boy, all the candidate Democratic candidates were out there, uh, and we have a, had an even new one pop in yesterday. And rumors that there's still two or three more. We'll catch up on the 2020 front after we take a quick break and come back with Hannah Trudeau from the National Journal, Journal rather author of the OG 2020 newsletter, all about 2020, of course. On this Monday, April 8th, hang in there, stay tuned. We'll be right back. This is The Bill Press Show. On a Monday, April 8th, The Bill Press Show, live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital. Brought to you today by the Labor's International Union of North America. Terry O'Sullivan, the president of the Labor's Union, a good friend, a great labor leader, uh, leading a great union. Check out their website at uh, Liuna, L-I-U-N-A, Liuna, BuildsAmerica.org. Thank you, thank you so much for being part of the program on this Monday. Uh, and for your comments so far, uh, by the way, I just got to say about, we were talking about the tax returns in that last half hour, you know, and Donald Trump saying he's being audited. I got to tell you. It's no fun being audited. Uh, I was audited way back when I first started doing, I I think there was a connection. When I first started doing TV in Los Angeles, I was audited two years in a row. I don't know. Oh, geez. I mean, it just picked me like out of the blue, right? I Again, I was just convinced that they were uh, trying to get this new, kid get on, this new kid on television. Whatever. <laughs> but I remember, I so I didn't have a lawyer. I mean, I did it myself. I went into the IRS office in the IRS headquarters I'll never forget, and I waited about an hour. They finally took me in and took me down to this cubicle where this IRS agent was sitting there, and there was nothing on her desk, nothing on her desk at all, except in the middle of the desk was a Bible. And I thought to myself, I'm in deep oh, doo-doo. Oh, no. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's a bad start that was to a bad audit, start. <laughs> Oh, that sounds terrible. Throw the holy book at me, man. And yeah. she did. Mm, so, <laughs> anyhow, what do we got, Peter? All right, let's first of all, we got a lot of comments on Twitter at BP Show. But before we get into the comments, let me just mention we did just put up a poll on that very subject. Uh, will the public ever see Donald Trump's tax returns? You could vote yes, no, 
or undecided. As of right now, and it's very, very early, we just put it up, uh, 56% of you say yes, we will see his tax returns. 35% of you say no. 9% of you are undecided. By the way, you know, I don't know whether you saw what the uh, people at the White House said. Uh, I forgot to mention that this is the hill they will die on. <laughs> it's amazing. Now, I mean, think of that language, right? Of yeah. all the issues that are so important that yeah. you would be willing to lay your life on the line, <laughs> right? It's yeah. not for equality for African-Americans or women no. or LGBTQ Americans, no, right? No, no, no. It's not to defend this country some from foreign invasion. It's to prevent Donald Trump from releasing his ta- having to release his follow the law and yeah. release his tax return. That's a hill you want to die on? What, think of the values of these people. Good luck. Right. Good luck. Right. Uh, so some comments out there uh, <laughs> on the tax returns. Luna says, a friendly reminder, Al Capone went to prison on tax evasion. Yeah. Right? So, like, it could be it could be just a technicality, of course. Uh, Al Capone, and, Donald Trump. I see it. Uh, and lots of people are chiming in about Kirsten Nielsen, who is out as DHS secretary. Craig says, now Trump is looking for someone tougher and more aggressive to replace her. Seriously, WTF. Uh, that's, I mean, it's hard to imagine someone being more cruel. Yeah, does Charles Manson have a job? I mean, <laughs> right. Yeah, seriously. Uh, Holly says the only thing tougher than locking babies in cages would be to just shoot refugees and Im- immigrants on the spot. That could be next. Uh, scary Live, I mean, scary at the border, Donald Trump would do it. Sure. Uh, and Chris Shu weighing in on Elon Omar and Donald Trump's comments about dual loyalty. Uh, Chris Shu says Elon Omar never mentioned dual loyalty. She's, she was talking about the money influence in politics, which is undeniably true. Uh, if you have any comment on any topic at any time, you can just find us on Twitter at BP Show, at BP Show. All right. Thanks for your comments. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being part of the program. We love hearing from you. And love welcoming uh, to the studio from the National Journal and the, oh, God, 2020 newsletter, uh, Hannah Trudeau. Hi, Hannah. Nice Hi. to see you. Nice to see you, too. Uh, so things are off and running, huh? Yes, definitely. Um, are you, do you think we have enough Democratic candidates yet? Well, now that Tim Ryan is in the mix, I think we've, we're, we're at enough now. <laughs> Guess what? <laughs> it's not going to stop there. I know. No. Uh, I was told by one good source yesterday that uh, Steve Bullock, mm. governor of Montana, yep, definitely getting in. Ooh, okay. Uh, Eric Swalwell yes. said last week that he's going to announce like this week. This week or next Monday, I'm hearing. Um, Michael Bennett, mm-hmm. senator from uh, Colorado, mm-hmm. has been telling people he is uh, dealing with cancer right now. Mm-hmm. But he still wants to, if he can work it out with his medical treatment, he wants to run mm-hmm. despite having cancer. Um, and um, I've also been told by someone who talked to him directly a couple of days ago that Terry McAuliffe is still going to run. I keep hearing that too. Yeah. So I, yeah. Tim Ryan made 16, I think, by, mm-hmm. by one count. I mean, that, that includes everybody Tulsi yeah, Gabbard, yeah. Marianne Williamson. That's yeah. 16. Uh, so for the four that I mentioned also get in, four more white males, I yes. should say. <laughs> um, 
then um, that would be 20. The DNC says the limit they're going to have for the first debate is 20. Yes. I guess we'd be at max. So um, Michael Bloomberg will have to forget oh about it. Oh, my gosh. And, yeah, right. Yeah, I guess I keep forgetting that Michael Bloomberg would potentially compete in the oh, Democratic wait debates. Wait a minute, too. wait a minute, wait a minute. We have to add Joe Biden. I was, I was waiting for you to, to say no, Biden. Joe Biden. <laughs> no, what am I saying? Right, he's not in yet. So that, that would be 21. Yeah. Somebody's got to go. They'll make an exception for Biden. <laughs> yeah, but no, I think that if they stick at 20, then somebody's going to have to go. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Marianne Williamson. <laughs> Or sorry, Tulsi Gabbard. I'm not sure which one would, uh, but I don't think either one of them will make the current criteria either. But uh, so, um, who who's red hot? Well, Biden's in hot water, I guess. (laughs) A little bit of a different question. (laughs) That wasn't my question. Um, I think Bernie is is red hot. I think, you know, he's been he has the most advantages. We've talked about this before, but he has um, he's not showing any signs of slowing down. You know, he's really um, he has everything going for him. He has the donors. He has the big base of support. He's top of the polls. He's the front runner of the people who are at least announced, um, not including, obviously, Biden. And and he's not slowing down. So I think he's the true front runner if there were one right now. Um, and then behind can, can him. Can I just stop you there yeah, for a second? Yeah. Um, because I uh, had uh, a call from a good friend of mine who's a sort of senior political reporter for the Los Angeles Times, Doyle McManus, mm-hmm. uh, and who was working on a column this weekend uh, about that very topic, mm-hmm. right? And. Um, you know, he asked me, and my response was the same. The people, there's a tendency to write Bernie off. Yeah, yeah. Because he's older. Yeah. He was, he ran the last time. Uh, and that people are saying, you know, that was Bernie's time, right? Yeah. Okay, come and gone. Yeah. Uh, and he can't, like, repeat the magic. But I said, but if you look at what he's doing, yeah. he belies that. I mean, yeah. he is getting the big, bigger yeah. crowds than anybody else. Yeah. He raised more money than anybody else. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has a bigger grassroots. Ba- I saw a, a million people have volunteered yeah. Yeah. to work for Bernie. A million I people. Know. I know. That's incredible. I know. Right? Yeah. And nobody else has an army like that. No. And no. so- Elizabeth Warren or Kamala Harris or Beto O'Rourke or any of them mm-hmm. have a big hill to climb just to get up where Bernie is. And then you add to that the fact that um, uh, Bernie's message mm-hmm. basically is where, as before, it was considered that radical, yeah. Yeah. you know, crazy Bernie. Yeah. Now everybody's singing from the same song. Yeah. And then on top of that, he's adding even kind of new ideas. So. Um, I mean, I think you'd have to say right now. Yes, I agree. And look at the polls. Of course, I mean, he, he, polls yeah. he is the front runner. Yeah, and especially with um, with the policy platform, I remember hearing some Democratic strategists like maybe six months ago saying, um, you know, well, everybody is going to be competing for that left lane now this time. Everybody has shifted leftward, uh-huh. so how is he going to stand out? And I was always skeptical of that argument because – Everybody else has to build up their support, and he already has it. So he has the platform, but he also has the support. And while they may have the platform, which is newer to a lot of them, um, shifted you know leftward, they're still building up that support and that credibility. So I think the combination of that makes him a lot higher off, you know, okay. higher up than others. All right. So Bernie is a front runner. Um, it, it seems also that Pete Buttigieg is the one now who's getting. 
He, all yeah, the he I was. Mean, um, I just saw Morning Joe just did about ten minutes. Yeah, on, on his speech. MSNBC in LA loves this him weekend. also, which doesn't hurt. You know, he's got right. the cable yeah. news primary um, going for him. But yeah, he's he's climbing. I think he's at eleven percent in a in a uh, new poll in Massachusetts. Which I mean, he has no connection to Massachusetts. Why is he at eleven percent? And Elizabeth Warren is, you know, in third place of of three. You know, the top tier people. Um, so he definitely has the most momentum. I think bar none right now. He he has sort of um, he's fairly scandal free, at least at this point that we know of. Nothing has really majorly come out that's tying him down. Um, and I think he's just climbing up and up. And I think it's going to be interesting to see how high he goes because he's kind of like unstoppable right now. I, I mean, he's not I wouldn't call him a front runner by any means, but he's definitely has the momentum that I think also people thought Beto would have and, and right. does have to an extent. But um, there's a little bit of fatigue, I think, with him right now. Uh, yeah, uh, I want to get to Beto for just a second, but what you said about um, Pete Buttigieg, it's just think about it. Yeah. You, as you said, he is no scandal, right? He is not, right, that we know of. Yeah. Okay. It's not, It wasn't so long ago that just the fact of being openly gay yeah. would have disqualified yeah. him. Yeah. I mean, this is great for this country. Yeah. Let alone being married yeah. to, a, to a man, right? Yeah. But uh, it's a very positive for him. I mean, I think people... I think so, and, and and in the Democratic Party, I think it's it's a yeah. welcomed sort of thing. It's a Absolutely. he's a welcomed person, and um, yeah, I think that's a community that's gone sort of unnoticed, largely in terms of elected officials um, and running for president, obviously. So is the bloom off the Beto rose? <laughs> it seems to be. A, I mean, look, he's still got a lot of support. He does. He does. He, it, 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 he's not. I saw someone mention this morning. I th- think on Politico. I hate to mention a competitor here, but my former that, employer, your former employer. There yes. you go. You have it's a okay. little, sort of a little love for yes. Politico. <laughs> that he's he's doing okay, but he's not in the stratosphere. He's not. He's not. I would agree with that. I would agree with that. He's doing. He's doing well. Obviously, his fundraising was great, and he has the you know support from the midterms that carried over, and we've seen the crowds, and we see him, um, you know, doing well on the campaign trail. But I don't think he's sort of hit it out of the park yet by any means. The rap on him is a lot of charisma, a little substance. Yeah. And I think that's the opposite of Pete. I think Pete is kind of um, less uh, less in the charisma department, but more substantive. Right. Um, and, and when pressed, I mean, Beto can talk about the issues. He's, he's, you know, he's in Congress. He knows a lot of the issues. But so it may be an unfair rap. But, but, he ha- but in terms of specific yeah. ideas... And platform. They're not coming from Beto. They're coming no. from either Bernie or they're coming from right. Elizabeth Warren. Right. And to a certain extent, Pete Buttigieg. I mean, he was one of the ones on the Electoral College. Yeah. Yeah. A lot there. of people have adopted that. Yeah. And I, I, he's kind of I don't think he's a was a particularly memorable um, representative, the three terms that he was in the House. I mean, That's I don't being think very kind. Yeah. You know, I think he's <laughs> kind of. Way, yeah, yeah. I think it's like he kind of came out of nowhere w- with his challenge to Ted Cruz. But um, in terms of his long track record in the house i don't think that's really something that people are looking at and you know three terms isn't a whole lot right so um we saw that um but in speaking of beto he was in iowa mm-hmm. where there um is a good showing of wind power in iowa largely in part and thanks to the republican senator yeah. long time yeah. chuck grassley who's yeah. a big um a champion of uh, of wind power, uh, Beto O'Rourke. We know that last week, uh, the president said 
problem with wind power is it causes cancer. <laughs> right. The noise from it causes yes. cancer. Uh, right. Beto uh, making reference to that. <laughs> Contribute to the vitality and success of that community. And you want to know what made that possible? Those wind turbines that do not cause cancer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do not cause cancer. That's a good moment for, you know, a good chance for him to kind of take a little harmless dig at Trump yeah, on the no, trail, you know. Um, but so I started to say we did see uh, one of the um, signs of strength, of course, and not the only one, mm-hmm. is how much money they've raised. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we've been watching for this first quarter. That was the first period. Yeah. Uh, and those who raised the most money were the first ones to get out there with the news. Yeah, that's <clears> right. <throat> that's right. Look what I did. Yeah. So Bernie, Bernie. again, yeah. leading the pack with uh, 18 million. Uh, Kamala way up there with 12. Mm-hmm. Uh, Beto, he came in a little later than the others with nine. But Pete Buttigieg, pretty impressive with seven. Yeah, yeah. For a guy that nobody's, <laughs> nobody uh, knows or nobody has heard knows of. Or, yeah. or can pronounce his name. Yeah, that's right. Uh, mayor of South Bend, Indiana, seven. And so we were wondering last week, um, well, when are we going to hear from some of these others? And if they, yeah. we haven't heard from them yet, it means that they probably didn't do all that great. So over the weekend, Cory Booker sort of slipped it out. Yeah. Five million. Five million. So the fact that the United States Senator, Cory Booker, with all the I know. attention that he's received, uh, would get skunked by Pete Buttigieg. I know. I know. That's pretty. Doesn't bode well for Booker. <laughs> It's hard because, and I think of, you know, he's from, he's a big senator from New Jersey. Kirsten Gillibrand, big senator from New York. You know, we don't know where her numbers are. She, we hasn't, don't, she hasn't even qualified yet. for the debate yet that we know of. You know, I mean, that's like the first hurdle. Um, Elizabeth Warren, we don't know her numbers yet. So we, there's. That's um, right. We haven't seen her. You know, we there's some seen major. Amy, Amy, Amy Klobuchar. Klobuchar. You know, these are, these are big, powerful senators. <laughs> and yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a big question mark where a lot of them stand their numbers uh they'll have to come out and i i I guess i mean you can go to the fec and get them yeah yeah it might take a while but but the fact that they haven't announced them means they got nothing to brag about yeah and they don't um they're not quick to return reporters questions about them either (laughs) uh again it's not it's not the only test right but it's it's a it's a sign as to particularly because most of this fundraising is grassroots fundraising. Right. It's a sign of their popular support and what kind of a campaign they'd be able to uh, to put together. Uh, before we move on from uh, Pete Buttigieg, he was here uh, speaking to the uh, Victory Dinner, uh, the Victory Fund here in Washington, D.C., over the weekend, uh, talking about, um, as we mentioned, uh, his marriage and what it means to him. It was a very personal kind of speech that mm. he gave um, Saturday evening. My marriage to Chaston has made me a better man. And yes, Mr. Vice President, it has moved me closer to God. <laughs> He's had this running debate yeah, uh, about with, yeah. with Mike Pence about um, their faith, right. and, uh, the, the true faith and the phony faith, if you will. Yes. I, I think it's a lot of different layers to, to Mayor Pete, obviously. But I think <laughs> it's fascinating to see a Democrat embrace religion and redefine it in a way that is not the way that a lot of mainstream conservative Christians have defined it over the last couple of generations. Uh, especially um, a Christian who's who would be not accepted by still right. today yeah. by many, many Christians right. because of who he is. Yeah. Right. 
I mean, the evangelicals, at the most, they would accept him as gay as long as he doesn't act it out, as right. long as he doesn't do anything. Right. right? Yeah. Well, um, getting married kind of cancels that one out. That's just, but, it it sort of yeah. does, doesn't it? Uh, as you mentioned a little bit earlier, we have a new face on the scene uh, out of Youngstown, Ohio, <laughs> over the weekend. Yes, indeed. When Sherrod Brown didn't announce from Ohio, it left an opening for Congressman Tim Ryan. Help me do this. I need your help. I need your support. I need your love. I need your voice. Let's go take back the White House. All right. There wow, that was really powerful. Uh, <laughs> I hadn't well, heard that yet. I haven't seen that side of Tim Ryan. I haven't no, either. But, I sat right. down with him. I did a um, lengthy Q&A with him, and he's he's quite personable. You know, he's, he's a... Um, <laughs> I think he represents his district pretty well, and I think um, totally. he was totally. a really good... I remember in 2018, he was a really highly requested surrogate all over the country for a lot of those down-ballot races, and that's... Mm-hmm. I mean, that shouldn't be underestimated. I know it's a small thing, but it's also, like, that meant that a lot of different kinds of candidates wanted him. You know, it'd be everyone from the South to the, you know, West Coast, Midwest, up North. Um, and so, it, you know, he has he has some broad appeal there. No, he's a good man, been, been a good member of Congress, a fighting member of Congress. Uh, he's good on the issues. He's a, he's a good, strong progressive. Um, still, having said that, you know, uh, he's run for Congress, but he's never had a national platform. Yeah. It's going to be hard for him. I think it'd be hard for him to make the debates. Yeah, uh, and hard for him to to well, he's got to yeah, he's got to build that because the first debate is just a couple of months away. I, know. I don't know what the cutoff time is. But yeah, getting it's, getting yeah, the sixty two thousand donors and or sixty five thousand or yeah. whatever it is in yeah. twenty states and being one percent in the national polls. It's yeah, it's pretty. I mean, I think he waited a little Ryan. a little late to get in because um, he's been preparing to run for a long time, for at least a year and a half, two years. But he waited to actually get in fairly late, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, right. He could have benefited from an earlier start, I, I right. think. Uh, and we did hear from um, the former vice president who was sort of lying low for uh, five days after the story came out of his making a, a, a couple of women saying he made them feel uncomfortable uh, Joe Biden speaking to the uh, International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers uh, this weekend here in Washington. Uh, and um, w- w- it comes out on stage. Mm-hmm. The guy gives him a big hug. Yeah. So right away, everybody says, oh, my God, here's Joe yeah. touching somebody yeah. again. Joe <laughs> Biden says, I wasn't joking. I wasn't joking. The president of the union put his arms around me. Well, that's how it's always been in Covered me a long time, you know. Uh, that's how people react. So some people uh, opined that this little um, uh, controversy with Biden will uh, knock him out of the race or or, or um, persuade him not to run. Your take? He yeah, still runs? I I, th- I think he still runs. I I do. Um, I it's it's hard to know what's going to ultimately happen in terms of his campaign. Um, either succeeding or imploding based on this alone. But I, I do think because he's waited also longer to get in, he um, there was a great article in The Times about this over the weekend. He the, the, the 2020 campaign started basically without him entering it. You know, the coverage of him started um, at this the speculation about him started. Everything kind of started in his record. The scrutiny of it started. So um, while he's waited longer to get in, he hasn't benefited from postponing that negative coverage yet. You know, so it's. 
um, it's starting. And do I think it's ultimately too much to make him not get in? I don't. I don't know. I, I don't think. I think he will get in still. And I think it's yeah. after Easter is the latest um, estimate. Just anecdotal. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I write a column for the Chicago Tribune Syndicate. My column this week was basically in defense of Joe Biden, saying his action was improper. But it's that's Joe. It's a different age, different right. style. He's acknowledged it now that he's got to tune it, tone it down a little bit. Uh, and um, and I start out by saying I know this camp, this column's not going to be very popular, but I'm I still think, you know, Joe should run, and this should not prevent us running. I was surprised. I have not received one negative. Usually, I get nothing mm-hmm. but hate mail. Yeah. I've received not one negative comment. Interesting. About that column. That's yeah. interesting. I think people still see that Joe may, may be the person that the Democratic yeah. I party, think a lot of people feel. I think party needs. It's but yeah. It's interesting. At any rate, that is it for us. Uh, I believe Peter out of time here, and uh, we thank you for coming in. All Thanks right. Thanks for having me. You can follow Hannah on Twenty Twenty <laughs> with NationalJournal.com. Hey, friends, don't be a stranger. Keep up to date with all of the Bill Press Show happenings around the clock on social media. Here's how. You can follow us on Twitter at BP Show or on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash Bill Press Show and on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. And remember, if you haven't already done so, make sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. And while you're there, please rate and review the show. That means a lot to us. And thanks so much for your support. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Will we ever see his tax returns? Mm, I don't know. Maybe we'll see the tax returns the same time we see the full Mueller report, (laughs) (laughs) which means never. Hello, everybody. Here we go. It's a Monday, Monday, April 8th. Great to see you. Thank you for joining us here on The Bill Press Show as we come to you live coast to coast. On the radio, on television, and online. Online on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Don't forget, check out the podcast. It goes up right after uh, we close every show. Uh, and uh, then you can pick up the rest of today's show that you might have missed or any show of the past, I don't know, 14 years or so. It's all up there, most of it, on our podcast. We're also joining you on the radio out in Chicago. Looking good on WCPT in Chicago, the great city of Chicago, and all the surrounding communities. And then on television, how about it, on Free Speech TV, where you join me in saying hello to Nikki Schwab from the New York Post, covering uh, the White House, the Congress, anything going on in this nation's capital. Nikki, how you doing? Good. How Boy, are you, didn't Bill? didn't we have a beautiful spring weekend, huh? We really did. It was incredible. I yeah. wish I would have been outside yesterday, but instead, you know, news. News. All day long. Breaking news. news. Oh, too bad. That was a beautiful day to be outside. I know. Yeah. It was gorgeous. Cherry blossoms at their absolute most spectacular ever. I went out on Saturday, which was probably a mistake. Did you ever see so many people in your life? 
It was, I literally, you know, put, put on my Instagram story, which is what all of us kids do, chaos. Because it was, it, it was like cherry blossom chaos. It was. But yeah. I mean, it was gorgeous. I mean, a beautiful day. And I got to see the blossoms and take all the photos for my Facebook account. But it was a lot of people. Yeah. And so um, we are good to have, glad to have you here. And we got lots to talk about, <laughs> uh, including Kirsten Nielsen, the latest cabinet secretary to bite the dust. But first... <laughs> Yes, indeed. Just a couple of other stories making news. Let's talk some basketball because right. the NCAA women's tournament is yeah. now over. And we have new champions. Baylor. Baylor defeated defending champs Notre Dame last right. night, 82 to 81. Pretty high scoring affair. Now, Baylor got a little bit of a scare when their star forward, Lauren Cox, went out of the game with an injury in the third quarter, which meant that a freshman. Now, Lisa Smith had to come in and fill her shoes. Well, she did pretty damn good. She shot seven for nine from mm. the field, scored 14 points and six rebounds, really delivered the win for Baylor. Very exciting game. How so about? Notre Dame will not be defending champions. Now, on the men's tournament, the final is going to be tonight, and we know who the finalists will be. Virginia defeated Auburn at the last second yeah, in yeah. the men's tournament, and Texas Tech <laughs> beat Michigan State, so it will be number one, Virginia, versus number three, Texas Tech. That happens tonight. Yeah. It really the game turns- starts at 9.30, by the way. No, yeah, really? So what? I'm not going to watch it. But, you know, th- this... Uh, NCAA turned out had some like a surprise ending, right? Yeah, absolutely. What happened to Duke? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, eh. every now <laughs> yeah. and then you'll see some people sort of get upset, and and these things happen. I mean, Virginia is a number one seed. I, it's not completely unexpected they would go right. this far, but as you mentioned, Duke I think was the favorite to win it all. Uh, let's talk about some White House news because over the weekend Donald Trump went out to. California, where he went to the for-profit golf course in Rancho's Palos Verdes, Rancho Palos Verdes, California. His golf course. His golf course. Yeah. Which Always. is run by his son, Eric Trump, and they had a big dinner there for friends and supporters and everybody that wants to oh, come there. 15000 a plate, I think it was. Well, yeah, they oh. had to, they had yeah, to pay. I mean. That's the thing. They all had to pay. Everybody that was there, no comps. Make the money, right? That's the that's the Trump way. Make as much money as you can off of all the suckers that are there. Yeah, I wasn't there. No, I, I can't imagine so. <laughs> this is the Bill Press Show. Yep, one more cabinet secretary bites the dust. She walked into a meeting last night at the White House as the uh, secretary of the Department of Homeland Security. She walked out half an hour later as a private citizen. Hello, everybody. Here we go on a Monday, April 8th. Great to see you. It is the Bill Press Show. That's me, and you are very much a part of the program as we join you online, on the radio, and on television uh, and joining us with the latest on the Washington political front uh, from the New York Post, Nikki Schwab, a good friend. And Nikki, it's great to see you. Thanks for coming in. Good to see you, What Bill. about Kirsten Nielsen? I mean, you know, not totally unexpected. Not but, totally unexpected. But but I, I think this, was, this meeting was not—you and I 
cover the White House. We get the White House schedule. This was it was not, certainly not on the schedule. Not they, on the schedule. They already called a what we call travel photo lid. So Trump had gone yeah. to his Virginia golf club earlier in the day. Yeah, he gets back. <laughs> you know, they call a lid. You know, we're thinking it's time to go out and hang out in the sunshine. And then, you know, CBS comes out with this report that, you know, Kirsten Nielsen is headed to the White House. She's going to a meeting and she's, quote, expected to resign. Uh, And so does that mean that she is getting canned? Does that mean that she's had enough Uh, because Trump has not necessarily always been so great to her? I mean, you can look back uh, as early as like last May. You know, she was being, you know, just screamed at for this migrant problem. He, He blamed. It was almost, as I said earlier, as if she was down in um, Guatemala saying, hey, come on up, yeah. man. We got hey, free tickets. Caravan, yeah, let's do let's, it. Let's do it. Caravan <laughs> to the United States. We want you. We love you. No, I mean, you know. Yeah. yeah. You, can't, you can't really blame her. For all the migrant flows. No. But, and for asylum laws, which, you know, those, yeah. they exist. <laughs> and we haven't changed them. Um, and so, you know, in May, there was this sort of this meeting where for 30 plus minutes, uh, Trump berates her in front of the rest of his cabinet, and she almost resigns then. Uh, and then November, she was again on the chopping block. And, um, you know, John Kelly was her mentor and really close friend. And so while he was still at the White House, and remember he left he could. in yeah. December, he was sort of like, you can't let Secretary Nielsen go. She's, you know, doing as as, as well as, as one could in this sort of impossible position. Um, and then he leaves, you know, right before the beginning of this year. And so, you know, it was sort of predicted that at some point she would probably be shoved out, especially by, you know, people like Stephen Miller, who are more of a hardliner on immigration than than sort of she is shown to be behind the scenes. Um, but I, it still seemed the timing was a little a little odd. I wasn't I wasn't quite ready for it. And it's it re- been reported, I don't know whether your sources tell you the same, that she resigned. Yes, but not willingly. I mean, she yeah. was told. You're yeah. Out. Yeah. And as you point out. He just doesn't feel that she's tough enough, maybe because she's a woman. I don't know what that's all about. But at any rate, um, talk about not being tough. Here, So here's Kirsten Nielsen back when they were ripping kids from their mothers and putting them in cages. Yes. And even that, she defended publicly. She you defended remember that press conference. All of that. Here she is. We have to do our job. We will not apologize for doing for our job. We have sworn to do this job. So she was as tough, tough as nails, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think she, she was also, I mean, talking about nails, like clinging on to this job at, at that point as well. Yeah. And yeah. she had said uh, when she testified before the Senate uh, that she was, you know, concerned about these children ending up with like non-parental units, whether it was another relative or a sponsor in the United States. So she had, she'd been sort of wary of this, these kinds of policies, but then when she needed to, she was okay to sort of go out and say like, I will be the face of this, of right. this, this, of this decision. And uh, at that moment, Trump did like her. But, you know, I mean, he likes you one day, and then the next day he's like, bye. But this story, yeah, you talk about one day to the next. You're not kidding. Friday, she's with him yeah, at the border. at the border. Right. So I guess we should have seen the writing on the wall a little bit because um, his ice pick was sort of abruptly pushed I, out I was trying to ask you that about day that. as well. The same Friday. He, no, so, I think that was Thursday that Thursday, that, that, okay. that, that, that happened. So well, let's, you, let's back up. This is the acting director of ICE, again, ICE, he's been praising ICE and encouraging ICE to be as tough as hell, and boom, boom, boom. Ron Vizziello, the acting director, he names him to be the director. He he hasn't come up for confirmation hearing yet, right? Correct. And then Donald Trump 
yanks the nomination away from him. You know, it's it, what's really scary to think about in the case of Nielsen and uh, this ICE director. Uh, whoever is going to replace them oh. is going to be very scary. Yeah, I was right. asking I mean, this morning whether Charles Manson is <laughs> out of a job. I mean, that, and that's exactly what you know. Schumer and Pelosi came out and said last night. Yeah. I mean, if if Nielsen is not extreme enough for this administration, being the face of the you know child separations, then who who works in this job? Who would be yeah. like cool in this job uh, with the president and with you know the Stephen Miller types within the administration? Or maybe we should just say Stephen Miller. Well, maybe they should just main, name Stephen Miller the cabinet secretary I'm sure and the ice that, director. That Senate, Senate confirmation would be a, would be, a great, <laughs> would be a great time for all involved. He would never get confirmed. Exactly, exactly. And re- and Republicans on the Hill would be like, "You can't do this to us." <laughs> yeah, putting us to have to try to defend. Yeah, him. yeah. Right, but seriously, no matter who it is, they're going to have. That's going to be. That's going to be tough. Unless the, he gets some U.S. senator, I mean, maybe, right? But well, they they, they floated uh, Rick Perry as an option. Uh, oh, great! Um, but I'm not. How sure, about Rick I'm Santorum? Not, I'm not sure how serious that is. Well, Rick Perry kind of makes sense. Yeah, yeah. He's already been, you know, he's already gone through the Senate. He has um, been like the best behaved cabinet secretary. I was going to say, I just completely forgot. No, no, no. He's, he's the secretary. most invisible cabinet yeah. secretary. Yeah, yeah. And that's how he has survived. Exactly. But like at the start of the Trump administration, if nothing, you would have told me nothing. That, that, oops, you know, Rick Perry was going right. to be like the one that, you know, got to, you know, was it like survive this long without, you know, any sort of major scandals. I would have been like, what? Okay, so I made my list last night of, uh, and I'm not going to repeat the whole list. I did it in the first hour. Of um, uh, let's let's face it, Kirsten Nielsen is not the first one, right, <laughs> to have seen her entire career shattered by getting close to Donald Trump. Right. Uh, there's... So if you start with all the cabinet secretaries who have left, communications directors, press secretaries, I mean, on and on and on, right? It's a long list. Oh yeah, Russ, all of them. Here's my question. Why would anybody take a job with Donald Trump? You know, Mick Mulvaney, he's he's high on the, he's riding high right now. I'll bet you. He'll be out in six months. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And it, and it, in and the it, end, Jared and Ivanka will survive. I, I, even Mike I, Pence. Mike Pence had better be looking at the I think Ivanka will survive. I'm not even sure about Jared. <laughs> All right. Good point. Yeah. We'll, we'll see. Yeah. No, I. Ivanka I, and Rick Perry. <laughs> the last two cockroaches left. <laughs> well, you know, you talk to sort of like you know people that I've known to be like sort of Republican aides in D.C. for many years have yeah. you know have stayed away from this administration. Mm. They don't want to be a part mm. of it. I mean, some, I too have a, some, several Republican some friends who have been offered jobs. Yeah, yeah, would not and, touch and it. who would and who would make sense going into this administration totally. as a career move? Yes, who are like, what? Why? Why would I do this? You know, there'll be another Republican president at some point, and then I can, you know, resume my my trajectory. But no, I think you know, you look at I I always think of uh, Sean Spicer, who I know personally. And who had a really great reputation around town when he was at the totally. RNC. Yeah, and I'm not saying that his you know reputation in D.C. <laughs> is is shattered, but you know Trump turned him into you know a national mockery at at one point. You know, defending his crowd size again yeah. and again. So it's not that I feel sorry for Nielsen because she took the job mm-hmm. right and she defended his policies all the way through. 
Uh, at the same time, it's a crappy way to 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 treat people that are loyal to you and yeah. who serve you well and go out of your way to serve you well. Right? And she's she's but young. I mean, she's, no, she's she's got a career that you know she's going to have to rebuild from this point. And you know, you don't want to be the person that's associated with something that. I think, you know, five years from now, we're going to look back and be like, I'm sorry, we did what? Like, what happened at the border? Yeah. Well, he we know from James Comey uh, and others that he demands loyalty, but it's a one-way street with him. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. There's no loyalty coming back. No. Ask John Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> ask Steve Bannon. Ask Kirsten. And today, ask Kirsten, Kirsten Nielsen. Nielsen. Yeah. There you go. Um what is uh, so? Are we ever going to see the tax returns? The well, president's tax returns. According to Mick Mulvaney, no. <laughs> That's what he uh, yeah. went on television and said yesterday. Right. We have that little clip. He was uh, Bill Hemmer was filling in for uh, Chris Wallace on Fox News Sunday. You believe Democrats will never see the president's tax returns? Oh no, never. No, nor should they. Keep in mind that that's an issue that was already litigated during the election. Voters knew the president could have given his tax returns. They knew that he didn't, and they elected him anyway, which, of course, is what drives the Democrats crazy. But they know they're not going to get this. They just want the attention on the issue. Yeah, right. So, you know, people knew in 2016 he hadn't released his tax returns, and he still got elected. Therefore, we, don't, we never have to do it. Uh, and the White House says, I love this phrase, somebody down there said, I think the attorney representing the president on this issue, this is a hill we're going to die on. I mean... <laughs> it just makes me want them more as a journalist. I'm like, what yeah, what, yeah, totally. is, what could possibly be in these tax returns? Right. If they're willing to so die on this hill. Yeah. 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 It's, uh, I thought Mitt Romney's reaction to this was really interesting yesterday. He was on uh, one of the Sunday shows, and he called the Democrats... Uh, sort of move to grab the tax returns, yeah. moronic. But then he was like, "But I'd, lo- you know, I think that I think that the president should release them." <laughs> yeah, okay, because he had because he's going to just willfully release them now. <laughs> well, as we know, this could go, and the and the White House says they are willing to take it all the way to the Supreme Court. Yeah, but um, I saw some former tax commissioner yesterday was watching. And he really laid it out that if you and I, so I went back and looked at it too. And you probably have too. If if you look at the IRS code, it is clear there is no ambiguity. No, it says three. There are three different committees in Congress under the code that have the authority to request the tax returns of anybody. Anybody doesn't make any exceptions whatsoever, <laughs> yeah. and the commissioner must release them. It says that. Yeah. Black and white. Now, so they can fight it, but I think that if if they follow the law. They lose. I mean, True. the courts follow the but law. But it doesn't they necessarily lose. mean that like there there will ever be a public release of them, because even if they go to Congress, true, uh, that's true. I, I believe there's a statute that says that you can't, you know, sort of willy nilly release someone's tax returns to the public because of it's a privacy issues, the privacy other, laws. The other thing is, uh, it doesn't make any exception for anybody being under audit. <laughs> well, uh, I mean that uh, that line was always sort of like a. A head scratcher. I remember whenever yeah. I think Trump first sort of deployed that during the Republican debates, and we're all sitting around being like, "I'm sorry, what? You're under <laughs> yeah. audit, so yeah. you can't." Richard Nixon was under audit. He released his tax return yeah. when he was under audit. Yeah. Uh, and this this commissioner made the point. You know, by the way, if if it's true that he's been under audit for so many years in a row from the IRS, 
it sort of indicates that there's some problems with his tax returns. I would otherwise he wouldn't be under audit right? I would, I would, all those years. I would think so. That yeah. would that would make sense. But yeah, what do you think's in there? I well, I think the biggest thing could be that he's not as wealthy as he says he is. Yeah, I do too. I, I do think too. that's sort of the like the most. And that he didn't pay his taxes. I mean, yeah, I think his tax rate is probably pretty small compared to the amount of yeah, like money right. and wealth that he has. Um, but I think that's sort of par for the course among the, and the super rich in this country. And maybe also that he didn't give away as much money as he says that he did. Well, I think, you know, a lot of the reporting on the Trump Foundation is probably, uh, right. you know, proof of that already that's out mm-hmm. there. Here's the thing. Here's the question I have, right? It, it, because there there are any number of things that could be uh, in there, right? Including a lot of his real estate deals and where the uh, money for that actually goes and where it's actually coming from, right? But on the issue of did he pay his taxes, I, I think that a lot of Democrats are licking their chops at that and i just don't know that the american people if that's going to be the thing that gets trump in trouble now if he was dishonest with it and you know wasn't uh forthcoming about certain uh flows of streams of income and things like that then he's got a real problem but i mean look we've got apple and amazon in this country who'd pay zero taxes (laughs) and we still continue to love them uh but it's more than just that, I think. It's more than just that that they're hiding. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of people do feel, well, if you got away with without paying your taxes, maybe I can too someday. Right. Yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, he, he's, he openly said it in the debate. I didn't pay taxes because I was smart. Yeah. Right. Remember that. And his supporters like like that. Like they, mm-hmm. they think he's Loved like, it. he's so clever that he's able to like get out of paying, you know, all this money. Right. I mean, and they've always seemed to sort of like that aspect of him. Uh, so, um, you, you get into so much stuff and I'm, I'm never sure where, you know, you pop up with stuff that, uh, all, all, I'm all over. You town. are all over. And do you, also Devin Nunez, uh, the, uh, congressman from the California Central Valley, they picked up seven seats in Congress. Democrats picked up seven seats, but they weren't able to get rid of Devin Nunez. He's still uh, there. The former disgraced head of the House Intelligence Committee forced to resign for playing some funny games and lies with the Trump administration. N- and now he's up to So he's still he's still ranking of, member of intelligence. Ranking member, yeah. Uh, right. obviously because the the house like yeah. flipped and so Adam Schiff is now the chairman of intelligence. Um and so because of that he's lost his subpoena power because he's like in the minority. And so the Republicans had been sort of pursuing this whole, you know, um, you know, are the F or people in the FBI and the DOJ anti-Trump? Remember this whole thing with Lisa Page and Peter Strzok and the sending anti-text state, they were text out messages supporting Hillary. That's why they started this investigation. And and yada, you know yada, yada, yada. this whole idea about FISA abuse. Should Carter Page have been under uh, right. under surveillance by the FBI? And what set off? Uh, you know what what sort of got people onto Carter Page? And was it the dossier? And so you know Republicans. Uh, with Nunez are still sort of pursuing this this line of investigation, but they can't do it on the congressional mm. side really because they're not in control anymore. So what they've decided to do is they're going to give these eight, I believe it was eight referrals yeah, to right. William Barr at the Department of Justice, basically asking the DOJ and the FBI to sort of like take over their uh, 
their investigations that they had been doing up until January when the Democrats took over and started their own stuff. Oh, I yeah. So, so. that that'll be interesting to watch. Um, you know, there Peter Strzok and Lisa Page were both on the Hill. Uh, Strzok obviously uh, testified in open session. Lisa Page did uh, talk to. Republicans and Democrats behind closed doors for, you know, hours upon hours. And I remember the Republicans like really liked her testimony. So uh, I believe the transcript of that is is out. But, you know, they, they really are convinced that there was some sort of, you know, greater conspiracy going on within the Department of Justice uh, at the beginning of this yeah. investigation into now President well, Trump. Well, you know, they had their chance to pursue that. They did as much as they could. They proved nothing. I would say Devin Nunez and... Uh, and his friends may just have to accept the fact that they lost <laughs> and they are no longer in control. And yeah. And, I, to, and uh, I don't know if, if, if Barr is going to want to, you know, no, like no. investigate the people within his ranks who have been, you know, longtime government but employees. The, I, you know, I don't this know. Is, this is on the same score, uh, in my judgment, of Lindsey Graham saying we need now a special counsel a special... to investigate the special counsel. Yes. And how this investigation got started in the first place. I think we know how it got started in the first place. There was a guy named George Papadopoulos, big mouth, in England. Talking about how the Russians had dirt on Hillary Clinton. Yeah, right. Yes. And how they were getting this dirt in Hillary Clinton. And somehow that got back to the FBI. And they said, hmm, maybe we'd better look into this. Now, you would think that at some point, you know, Hillary, you know, quote, got off. Or at least the Republicans are mad that she did. And, you know, Trump's people are saying that he's you know, escape the Mueller probe. So you'd think they would be even now when we can move on. But <laughs> right. that is not what's happening in Washington. Right. Um, you've been looking at Pete Buttigieg, too, right? Yeah. I went to his fundraiser on Thursday night in D.C., which was really interesting. So it was packed. Wow. And, you know, it's funny when I talk to, now I'm 35, I talk to, you know, a lot of my millennial friends uh, about who they like out of this, you know, large and growing Democratic pack. And more often than not, Mayor Pete's their number one, which is interesting. Mm -hmm. I mean, he is like our age, basically. He's, he's gosh, he's two years old. He's older. 37. He's right? two years older than me. And on my birthday, I was like having a cocktail in Miami and he was announcing his presidential run. So that's uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's sort of where he is in life. Well, you've got two more years. Yeah, i got to... two more years to uh, to get my bid together. Um, but, you know, I mean, he's he's said a lot of really interesting things. I think if you look at sort of the victory brunch yesterday where he talked again about uh, Mike Pence, uh, obviously they're both from the state of Indiana, but he, he, as someone who is Christian and on the left, has sort of used uh, Mike Pence and sort of slapped him around. He talked to— In fact, we, we have a—this is the, the, the victory brunch, yeah. um, Mayor Pete, where he talked about his marriage. Mm -hmm. uh, I think Bringing him closer to God. Right. Here he is. My marriage to Chaston has made me a better man. And yes, Mr. Vice President, it has moved me closer to God. He's got this little thing going with Mike Pence. How yeah. can you be uh, all the, the Christian that you say you are and be so close to Donald Trump? And he used that line um, during one of his, I think it was a CNN debate or CNN town hall. Town hall, uh, right. the, the cheerleader for the porn star presidency, he mm. said, of Pence. And so he's really taking him to task, obviously because they're both from the from the same red state, so that makes and, sense. And we remember that one of the things that Mike Pence did as governor was sign that legislation that, that, that said that you don't have to uh, serve, but you can discriminate against 
LGBTQ Americans. And my understanding is that is actually something that compelled Mayor Pete, who is uh, trying to get reelected in a town that I don't think is necessarily all that blue. Uh, that, that's what compelled him to come out publicly. Oh, to come out publicly. Yeah. Yeah. It was, right. was, uh, was, was so, how Pence was going after the LGBT community. So you were at his fundraiser Thursday night here in front of just a fundraiser for his for his campaign. For his it campaign. was at um, City Winery out in Ivy City, uh, which is sort of a, a new kind of hip place. And it was packed to the brim. Now, I will say that um, with with how D.C. is, it was Pretty white, mm-hmm. uh, and also uh, a lot of gay men, obviously coming out to, to support one of their own. And there was a drag queen there, which was great too. <laughs> but, part, of, part of the program, yeah. Well, I don't know. <laughs> at least a fan, a fan of, of Mayor Pete. Um, but it's interesting to see somebody who I think months ago most people, I mean, people still can't pronounce his last name. I can't pronounce his name half the time. But a judge. Is that, does that sound I, right? That's pretty good. We, we have it to one. two that's words. Good. Buddha, judge. Buddha, judge. Buddha, judge. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, a couple of months ago, people didn't really know who he was. I knew who he was because he'd ran for DNC chair. Right. And I thought that the Democrats probably, you know, would have been wise to potentially pass the torch to the next generation because there wasn't only Mayor Pete, but there was about three or four millennial candidates that would have also been sort of interesting to put the DNC in the hands of especially after what had happened in 2016. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, they didn't go that route, and they chose uh, Tom Perez, but uh, it, was a, it, was, it gave Mayor Pete the ability to sort of uh, at least get sort of a base in Washington, and I think that's continued, and obviously he's got a lot of support you know, within the Beltway and amongst the media. Now, I don't know how that's going to translate to voters, obviously, especially— Well, in- so far it's doing pretty well. I mean, he raised—we've uh, talked about, seven about this earlier— $7 million compared to Cory Booker. Which I was surprised about. I, I wrote that story for us yesterday, and that Booker, who not only—I mean, he's been in the Senate since 2013, but remember that, like, when he was the mayor of, of Newark— um, he was he was sort of a, like a celebrity type mayor as well. Uh, totally, he was, he yeah. Was always in Washington. Uh, H, either HBO had a lot or Showtime of national had done a special on they him. Did, right now he's got like a you Zuckerberg know, came and gave him all that money. Right, he and Christie were together on the education reforms. I mean, he got a lot. His profile, national profile, was very high when he yes. was mayor of Newark. Yes, yeah. and then when he came into the Senate, like he. I wouldn't say he had quite, quite had like a rock star status like a Barack Obama, but he was like up there. I mean, people know who he is or who he is. And so it was surprising that some, you know, Midwestern gay mayor is getting, you know, two million, two million dollars more than Cory Booker. Um, and Mayor Pete's still in the exploratory uh, part of his campaign as well. He's supposed to potentially announce next Sunday. Right. We ha- uh, we have, uh, you mean officially announced? Yes. Right? Yes. Yes. Yeah, I I, I, I lose track of uh, you know these these double announcements. Yeah, of, look, yeah. he's running. I mean, yeah, I think like I feel like Gillibrand announced like three different times. You know, <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, and Tim Ryan did Sunday. I think that's the only announcement Tim Ryan's going to make. I don't know. Maybe he has another one scheduled. Um, it is. Um, here's the eighth. April the second was the deadline that Congress gave Bob Barr, Bill Barr rather, for releasing the Mueller report. Uh, what's your take? Are we ever going to see it? We talked about it's ever we're going to see the tax returns. Ever I actually think Mueller we are going to see it. I think that either it's going. I, it sounds like he's it's doing got to come out his redactions, and then he's going to you know push it over to Congress. But like Congress is like a leaky vessel, so like somebody's going to leak that thing because they're they're going to feel like they're doing what's best for the American people. And I think you know 
that makes sense. Like we should see it, right? I think so. We paid for it. Yeah. Uh, and you and, know, and, and you would think that yeah. if it's truly not as bad, or if it's truly as good as Trump's people are trying to make it out to be for Trump, then it's now very interesting that they're not wanting people to see it. <laughs> right. And Trump, but I, I think there might be more pushback on the part of Congress, but Trump himself has said on a couple of occasions, yeah. I was down there at one of his walk-bys, you know, going to the Marine One, where he said, yeah, let, I don't care. Yeah. Let, let, let everybody see it, right? Now, privately, maybe they're saying different things, but if that's his public stance. Well, it sounds like that was his public stance and then aides within the White House were sort of like, we should not make this such a victory lap because there are some things that are not so great in that report, which I okay. think which I think were reflected in, you know, the four page, you know, bar synopsis, too. OK, now we'll let you go, but not after we get your comment on as a member of the White House Correspondents Association, as am I. <laughs> uh, we have our big dinner coming up on April 27. Uh, he hasn't been there for the last two years, but the perennial question was, was Donald Trump going to show up this year? He made it clear uh, again at the uh, this was uh, in Las Vegas talking to the Republican Jewish coalition, whatever it's called. The dinner is so boring and so negative that we're going to hold a very positive rally. And- <laughs> that was actually been talking to reporters on his way in, I guess. Uh, so he's going to do something different. Nikki. He's not coming to our dinner. He's going to hold a rally. Instead. That sounds so familiar. Isn't that what he did last year? And sort of the worst thing about that is that, you know, if you're if you're a political reporter, you might end up having to go cover the rally instead of go to the dinner. Depends on where the rally is, of course. Yeah. Right? Well, I'm sure it's going to be in, in some swing state. Some red state, probably. Yeah, or swing state. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But, th- you know, th- the first time he did this was if the second Republican debate. Remember, he wasn't happy at the first debate because he got the question from Megyn Kelly. And then instead of coming to the second debate, he held a rally, a rally, his a own rally. rally. Yeah. So we'll have another MAGA rally. All right. <laughs> Will we miss him at the dinner? I don't think so. I think it'll be OK. <laughs> he hasn't been since the one where they made fun of him. No, he came back. Oh, he did. Yeah, he came he back come in back. 2015. Not uh, not as president. He hasn't not as been president. Before. But right before he was starting his run. But you know, it, 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 well, I don't care whether he comes or not, right? Well, may have more fun without him. But uh, he's the president there, no matter who it is, is always treated with great respect. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, and and it's a it's a fun evening for everybody. But he just can't stand it. Great to see you. Thank All you, right? Bill. Thanks for working so hard over the weekend, Nikki Schwab from the New York Post, NewYorkPost.com. Niels Lesniewski covers the Senate for roll call. Coming up next here on the Bill Press Show. Don't go away. Quick break. We'll be right back. This is the Bill Press Show. On a Monday, April 8th, hello, hello, the Bill Press Show, live from Washington, D.C., our studio in Capitol Hill. We start out here and join you all across this great land of ours, everywhere you happen to be, actually, all around the planet, online, on radio or television. We're right there alongside of you and brought to you today by the American Federation of Government Employees, the good men and women of the AFGE under President J. David Cox. Uh, proud to get up and work for Americans every day as they uh, keep our federal agencies running. We thank them for their good work and for their support of the program. Check out their website at afge.org and join me 
uh, and saying a big hello to uh, Niels Lesniewski from Roll Call, covering the Senate particularly for Roll Call and a little 2020 stuff as well. Hey, Niels, it's good to see you. Uh, it's good to be back. Uh, we haven't um, had a chance yet this morning, so I'm going to get your take on... Uh, so. Uh, Bernie Sanders was out over the weekend. He was asked, um, he was actually on The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. Um, you know, he's been getting a little criticism because he's agreed to do a town hall on Fox. And the DNC said, we're not going to play with Fox anymore. We're going to have debates, but Fox is not going to carry any of our debates. So now Bernie is going to go to Fox for his own town hall. He responded to that criticism on The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. Trust me, I know Fox News. <laughs> I know who they are, and I know the role that they are playing. So to me, it is important to distinguish Fox News from the many millions of people who watch Fox News. Right. And I think it is important to talk to those people and say, you know what, I know that many of you voted for Donald Trump, but he lied to you. He told you, for example, he was going to provide health care to all people. Mm -hmm. Now he wants to throw 30 million people off the health care that they had. He told you that he was going to give tax reform that would not benefit the wealthy. 83% of the benefits go to the top 1%. So I think it is important to talk to Trump supporters and explain to him to what degree he has betrayed uh, the working class of this country and lied during his campaign in terms of what he would do. There he is. His defense for going on Fox News. Is he doing the right thing? It's it's fascinating that this is being framed by Sanders in the context of the general election, right, as a response to or as a way to uh, try and pick off Trump voters. Yeah. But, you know, the other thing, when I had first heard that uh, clip or I think read a transcript of that clip, I had a different thought entirely, which was. There are lots of states, particularly in the Midwest, Kentucky comes to mind, there's places in the South, where there are probably a lot of Trump voters who are registered Democrats who can actually vote in primaries. You know, because there's a lot of in in places in the Midwest in, in, where, you know, there are people who probably haven't actually voted Democratic in a fairly long time. But, uh, you know, I think Kentucky still has a majority Democratic registration, even mm -hmm. though a lot of those people would never for, be expected to vote for Democrats. Right. Uh, but if they're eligible to vote in a Democratic primary, maybe those are voters that uh, you can try and get to vote for you in a primary, too. And I think Bernie is saying uh, without uh, indirectly, without directly saying that, um, look, uh, for, uh, for, uh, for a lot of the reasons you voted for Donald Trump, right, are reasons you ought to vote for me. Yes. But I'll deliver where Donald Trump did not. That that seems to be the that seems to be the point and it does raise and, this other point about uh, you know about whether or not there should be debates on on Fox uh which is you know a whole separate uh conversation uh because you you know if depends on who the host is or who the moderators are right. uh but sort of the the blanket Refusal. What I had sort of said to someone, uh, and I think I tweeted this as well, was if it were a Fox debate on the network versus Fox News, it may be a distinction without a difference, but that's a larger audience than CNN or MSNBC would ever have if they were willing to put well, a debate on 
That's the other argument that uh, I've made at, back in the days when I used to get invited uh, to appear on various Fox programs, including Fox and Friends and Sean Hannity and the others. Um, I would always go, and I get criticism from a lot of my friends for doing so, or Democratic friends particularly, but I said, hey, there are more eyeballs watching. I'm not going to change my tune right? because I'm on Fox. I'm going to say what I would say on CNN or MSNBC, but a lot more people are going to hear it. And so, yeah, that's true. No and downside then, for me. I think yeah. Bernie's sort of saying that too. His reach is 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 uh, more eyeballs watching. So uh, now I think he's doing the right thing, and we'll see. But I forget who is. I do know it's Brett Bear and Martha McCallum. McSally. Yeah, Martha McCallum. Yeah, no, not not Martha right. McSally. Martha no. McCallum. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Martha McSally. That's where my mind went first. <laughs> Uh, so they'll be fair. They're good. They're both good. They'll be, they'll be fair. I think Bernie has made the right move. Um, let's, let's talk about first of all. There's so many senators, Niels. This is your yes. This is your territory. Who are running for president? I mean, did they ever show up anymore in the Senate? Well, they, what's what's actually been remarkable so far is that they have been largely showing up. Uh, Senator Harris skipped last week. Uh, she was. In a couple of different places, uh, including a swing in, in Nevada. But by and large, I don't know if they've coordinated. I, it seems early for them to have coordinated this. But so far, it looks like there's only ever one or two of them absent at a time. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh, now, we'll see what happens this this week, the week that starts today. They start votes uh, for the week tomorrow because they're kind of being so, lazy and not showing up uh, for real on Monday. Well, that's that's um, classic. They come in late Monday so they can check it off that they were here, yes. but they don't do any work. And then Tuesday they'll have right. a couple of votes. So, but this week is a week of nothing uh, at all except for uh, nominations. McConnell yeah. having just changed the rules, and we'll get to that in a bit, I'm sure. But McConnell having just changed the rules has set up votes on six sort of mid-level Trump nominees, mm-hmm. none of whom are sort of names that any voter is going to care whether or not they voted for or against or anything like that or if they right. showed up. Yeah. So it wouldn't surprise me if it's kind of a, a ghost town among the Democratic presidential hopefuls this week because there's really no there's really no good reason for them to be in town. All right, but you have uh, written that we... What five senators so far? I lost track, but uh, that there may be one more. Yes. Uh, so Michael Bennett, who is now saying that if so, he has a can- he's 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 dealing with cancer, and we all hope that that uh, detected early, and we hope it turns out well. Uh, and he's going to have surgery over the Easter recess, and if he's cancer free, he's running for president. While dealing with cancer at the same time, yes. or supposedly having yes. put it behind him, right? And and so we'll we'll, uh, we'll see. He was just he spent the weekend in New Hampshire, which you know is a place that a Colorado senator is Norm- often going. Just you know, yeah. go go hang out at diners in New Hampshire on a weekend. <laughs> uh, so you know he's clearly he's clearly gearing up for it. He's even he even told a local uh, newspaper in Colorado that he was. Before the before he went to the doctor and found out that he had the the medical issue to deal with, that they were already starting to hire staff in Iowa and New Hampshire, and they were gearing up to make a launch uh, later in April. So uh, 
we'll see. But it's fascinating to me because I don't know what the lane is for two statewide Democrats from Colorado because Hickenlooper's running too. So yeah. I don't know. I don't know how there is. I don't know how there's really necessarily space for either of them. But I particularly think it's fascinating that they think there's space for both of them. Well. We have Julian Castro and Beto O'Rourke, both from Texas. Yes. Uh, Kamala Harris and Eric Swalwell says he's running, uh, announcing this weekend, I think. Right. About the only person. Both from California. About the only person not running is Sherrod Brown. Right. uh, Yeah. Which is uh, interesting because that led Congressman Ryan. Tim Ryan. Tim Ryan now thinks he he has an opening. He left that lane open. Yes. Right. It's sort of interesting to me, I think, you know, when you look at all the different candidates, and there are so many of them, uh, identifying the lane in which they're going to run. And I think some people have made it very, very clear, right, uh, why they are running and what they want to run for, the changes that they want to see happen. And other people are just running just because, <laughs> you know, yeah. and I th- and, and and I'm not being too negative about them. I think that like, look, there's there's something to be said about seeing an opportunity and taking it because it may never present itself again. Uh, but you know, when you talk about people like Hickenlooper or Bennett, um, uh, I, I sort of ask myself, why are they running for president? You know, I remember very early on in my conversations with uh, Senator Sanders back in 2014, uh, he said something to me that really struck that he said he sort of had learned that nobody takes you, really takes you seriously in Washington unless you've run for president. Well, (laughs) there is is, is certainly something to be said for that. There is, absolutely. Uh, You know, uh, Pat Buchanan. Yes, still a good friend. Was his profile changed from the time from the moment he ran for president? He was no longer just a TV talking head. You know, he was had more gravitas, take him more seriously because he had run for president, and you know he had a good showing in New Hampshire. Uh, knocked people still say he knocked George H. W. Bush out of the White House. Well, and if and if any of these. Uh, people who we 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 don't think have a chance, but in a field of twenty, I mean, yeah. however large this field is, let's say someone manages to win over. I, I'm th- I'm just thinking this through. Let's say someone manages to win over all of the students at Iowa State. If yeah. if you carried all of the caucuses at Iowa State, you might finish second in the whole state because right. who knows? Right. Right. Uh, <laughs> you know what, in, in a large extent this is, and I hear this from a lot of people, this is the Trump effect. There are a lot of people who say, hey, if Donald Trump could end up in the White House, <laughs> so could Marianne Williamson. And, and, I let's, mean, and let's not forget that Donald Trump ran purely to raise his profile. Like, he didn't think he was going to win. And raise money. And, and raise money. Uh, and make yeah, money. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, make yeah, money. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. good for business. Yeah, yeah, it was good right. for business. Yeah. Right. He didn't think he was actually going to win, and then until lo and behold, very, here we are. Until the very end. Uh, so, uh, Niels, we've been talking about this a lot this morning, that we we have a vacancy now at the Department of Homeland Security um, with Kirsten Nielsen forced to resign last night. Um, and this comes two or three days after... Uh, because and she was forced to resign because Donald Trump didn't think she was tough enough at the border. 
This comes two or three days after he withdrew the nomination of Ron Vitiello, acting director of ICE. He had nominated him to be the permanent director of ICE, and he suddenly yanked the rug out from under him and said, no, I need somebody tougher. Okay, who has not yet unnamed. We, we, either, right, neither, neither, neither position has been uh, named. And okay, so... so my question to you is, can e- whoever, and uh, we don't know who they're going to find who's tough enough that Donald Trump's going to think they're tough enough. But uh, could either either of them, whoever he nominates for the new DHS secretary or the new director of ICE, get confirmed? Well, the name that was being thrown around last night that uh, I, I saw a couple of reports about, which was remarkable to me, was Ken Cuccinelli for Secretary of Homeland Security, the okay. former yeah. state attorney general in uh-huh. Virginia who got trounced when he tried by to Terry run McAuliffe, by right. Terry McAuliffe when he tried to run for governor. Uh, and that name immediately struck a chord with me because, yes, he's concerned. He sort of fits the profile of what the president seems to want for the job. But he also called for Mitch McConnell to resign because he didn't support Roy Moore in the primary. So that seems unlikely that Mitch McConnell is going to do any favors to get him confirmed to a job. On the other hand, it might Donald Trump would probably like that. He supported Roy Moore. That is probably <laughs> true as well. So it 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 falls uh, squarely. And I don't know who the other names are who may come up. The problem is, no matter whom it is, I am sure that they are going to be asked, uh, among other things, uh, how involved Stephen Miller the the White House advisor who seems to be pulling the strings a lot on a lot of this again, uh, how how involved Mr. Miller was in the selection process. I think that's going to be uh, hard for anyone to get confirmed who, uh, if they say, oh, yes, I, I was, Mr. Miller recruited me for this job. Uh, uh, yeah, every, um, every indication is in all the reports this morning is that it was Miller who told Trump, you can't. Kirsten Nielsen's got to go. She's too soft. She's too weak. The same thing with Vitiello. Uh, no, we need somebody tougher there. So uh, I don't know that Cucinati would fit that fit that role or not. But I would imagine any of them, whoever it is, is going to have a tough time in a confirmation hearing. Sure, and I, you know, they might ultimately get confirmed because there are. Uh, it is not quite as narrow of a Senate this year as it was last year, uh, so they might ultimately get confirmed, but. I would not necessarily want to be. This is the time where we actually say Martha McSally, unlike a few minutes ago yeah. where we didn't say Martha McSally. <laughs> sorry, sorry. When Martha McSally has to vote, who is up for election, I guess, again, because she's was appointed, so she's right. on the ballot again in 2020. If I'm her or if I'm Cory Gardner in Colorado, uh, this is the kind of vote that gets very difficult uh, if, if your vote is necessary, which may leave us once again wondering what Susan Collins is going to do, which feels like <laughs> where we are every two weeks. It's America's favorite new game show. I, I, yeah, exactly. Um, so you, you alluded to, and I did want to ask you about, Mitch McConnell has yet changed the rules yet again um, in order to make it easier for to confirm judges, right? They can debate now just two hours instead of 30 hours. Yes. Uh, so for for district judges, the lower level uh, judges, there's only going to be two hours of debate. 
the same is true for a whole assortment of lower-level administration well, So here's positions. my question. They've already confirmed, you have told us this several times, right? They've already confirmed more federal judges yes. than ever before in history. So what's the complaint here? Uh, the, the complaint is delay. Uh, it's it's not always the most persuasive argument. There are metrics by which the Democrats have been delaying uh, judges, but there are metrics by which they haven't been. And sort of everyone can everyone can win the argument if they uh, make it forcefully enough. But uh, it seems like well, Mitch McConnell wants a rubber stamp, right? I mean, he doesn't want the direction. I mean, the direction that this is going is that what. Senators are going to have to. The the biggest problem is going to be what happens when there is a uh, an actually problematic nominee. So this is drawing the distinction between a nominee that someone like yourself would not like, and someone who actually has something in their record that disqualifies them because there's some sort of corruption thing mm-hmm. or something right. or else like that. Uh, there may not be enough time for senators to have reviewed all of these records unless they start work earlier in the process. Uh, so that's going to be the biggest problem here is, is that the way the way this had been working, uh, people basically until cloture was invoked, the filibuster was broken, then there's the 30 hours. It wasn't until that 30 hours that really a lot of senators were paying that much attention to the specifics of the yeah, nominee. Right. Uh, everyone is going to have to adjust their internal clock to sort so, of spend time earlier trying to figure out who these people are. Was McConnell able to do this just by fiat? Uh, it took uh, a majority vote of the Senate. So he got uh, almost all of the Republicans uh, on board uh, in order to do this, but they did it, but they rammed it through with a simple majority. Uh, the, the naysayers uh, in his caucus were Susan Collins and, and Mike Lee, who is. A very mm-hmm. conservative uh, senator from from Utah, but uh, sort of has a a different view of the the role of advice and consent, probably from a lot of uh, people who are around now. Is the filibuster still in 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 place? It still exists for legislation. It is effectively gone, uh, and now really effectively gone for for nominees. For nominees, yes, nominees to. Basically anything, either Supreme Court, the cabinet, the number of hours is a little different, but but basically filibusters as we used to know them uh, for the last several decades do not exist anymore. Right. So the whole idea of the nuclear option has come and gone, right? Yes. We're pretty much, until we go to we've legislation been, We've been now, nuked, right? Yes. And, and nobody really did anything about it, right? Right. I mean, in and everyone, it sort of it sort of became mutually assured destruction, and everybody just destroyed everything. Uh, is is this McConnell's up this this year? Yes, correct? he is. Right. Yes. Um, so, is there? We were talking about this the other day with someone. You know, with Nancy Pelosi, Speaker Pelosi, Democrats now control all the House. They're moving a lot of stuff, right? Gun safety, voting reform, uh, Medicare for all, you name it. There's a big, aggressive agenda. Is there any legislative agenda in the Senate? Uh, The short answer is not really. You know, if there were to be some sort of big 
infrastructure, if that mythical infrastructure deal oh, were to right. come to pass. Is this infrastructure week? It's always infrastructure week. Um, <laughs> you know, so if there were some kind of big bipartisan agreement, if Pelosi and Trump got on the same page about something, McConnell would have plenty of floor time for it. Uh, but I don't see a scenario in which the Senate on its own uh, will be initiating anything. The only thing they may initiate is uh, the higher. The only thing that they may initiate is the Higher Education Act is up for reauthorization. And Patty Murray, the Democrat from Washington State, and Lamar Alexander, the Republican from Tennessee, who lead that committee, are working on a bipartisan deal that might be even acceptable to Pelosi. Uh, but barring anything like that, the answer is no. Right. Well, and what's um, ironic about that or whatever is that this is the year in between elections when we know they'll get nothing done next year because uh, right. everybody's going to be consumed by the presidential election. So this is the year in between when they're supposed to get things done. Yes. And it right now we're still not even sure if they're going to be able to come up with budget cap numbers. Remember the... Remember the the days gone got gone by of the the sequester and the oh, budget yeah. control yeah, act right. and all that stuff. All that stuff is still on the books and oh by the way it kicks back in later this year. Well that that yeah that'll be one more one in September I guess. Yeah, right? so we yeah. have a cliff. Oh god, another one. All right. Well, you know, I'll just shut the government down maybe. Niels, it's great to see you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, They're coming in today. We'll let you get back on the job at Roll Call, call rollcall.com. And that is it for this Monday. Have a great day, folks, and we'll see you tomorrow. This is The Bill Press Show.